Rough Draft Podcast, your favorite literary, cultural, and film-related podcast, student-run here at York College, Pennsylvania. As always, I'm your host, Ben Yojis, and this season, I'm joined by a new co-host. John, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is John. I'm a sophomore at York College and a freshman writing major. So this season, we're going to be highlighting different majors and departments around campus. And we're starting off with a major that uh, John and I, as well as our producer, Sarah, can all pretty much relate to, where we're talking to professors in the English and Humanities Department. Our first guest, guest is Dr. Gabe Kutrafello. And our second guest today, or this week, is Dr. Deborah Voss, who are both professors here. Uh, and they're going to tell us just some information about uh, the department itself and also some personal information so that you can get to know your professors a little bit better. Today, we are joined by your college's very own associate professor and chair of the Department of Communication and Writing, Dr. Gabriel Kutrafellow. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So what specifically is uh, your field of study and what kind of stuff do you teach here at York? Sure, that's a great question. So my field of study is what is called writing studies. And this would be, it used to be called composition and rhetoric as well. And so I teach classes in the professional writing major. I teach courses in document design, rhetorical theory, research methods in writing studies. Uh, I teach the senior seminar. I teach uh, advanced communication, um, excuse me, advanced composition. Uh, so kind of all of the courses in, you know, in the professional writing major. And then I will occasionally teach the rhetoric of science course as well, which I also know Dr. Zerbe teaches. All right. What got you first interested in your field of study? That is, that is a really long story, uh, but I will, I will do it short for the podcast. So I have, so uh, my bachelor's degree is in English education. I was a high school English teacher for several years, taught ninth grade English uh, out in California. Uh, I went back and I got a master's degree in literature. Uh, so, so my first graduate degree is actually in American literature. I, I, was, I then started pursuing a PhD in, in literature, but I had to take a class during my graduate studies in rhetoric, in composition and writing studies. And it was in my first semester at my PhD institution, I was taking that class. Uh, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I, 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 what I really fell in love with was the ability to study real life texts. So when you, when you study literature, and I love literature, and I, I still read a lot, you know, you're studying fiction, right? You're studying poetry, you're, you're studying, uh, you know, texts that are, you know, that have an aesthetic value, which can be really interesting. Uh, and they have a certain kind of cultural value. What I got really interested in was studying people in texts that were actually out circulating in the world, doing the work of the world, if that kind of makes sense. So this means a lot of times the kinds of documents, the kinds of texts that we don't think of as being particularly interesting subject matter. Uh, and so I'll give you just as a quick example, right? Scientific reports, they are not as fun to read, right? As a, you know, as literature. However, if you think about them, right? As a, as a kind of object of study, they're incredibly important texts, right? That do things in the world. Uh, and so I got really, really interested in kind of studying that aspect of writing. So you said you initially had a degree in English education. What got you interested in teaching? 
So well, again, funny. So funny story. Uh, I was a first gen college student. Uh, so I was the first person in my family to go to college. And I, and I loved reading and I, and I, you know, I loved literature. Uh, and I got to college and I was undeclared for two years for as long as they would let you be undeclared. Uh, and I had to declare a major. And, you know, I'm, I'm 19 years old. I'm an undergrad. Not many people in my life had college degrees. And I was being asked to write, you know, pick a college degree that's going to be, you, you know, your career. Uh, and so really one of the only, one of the only groups of people that I'd seen on a regular basis for most of my life who had college degrees and was, was using them were teachers. And so I chose teaching. I, I, that really was really, it's that, uh, it was that in depth. I chose teaching because I wanted to do something where I could still read literature, but have a job uh, and have a degree, you know, that led to a job. And so, and so I got really lucky. I actually ended up really liking it. Uh, I like teaching. I like being in the classroom. I like teaching high school. Again, I taught ninth grade English for a while. Uh, but what I missed is I, I missed the, the, the kind of the, the higher level of engagement that graduate study uh, kind of gives you. And then what I've really come to, to, to really enjoy is actually teaching at the college level. Uh, so teaching at the college level, I still get to teach. I get to be in the classroom all the time. But I get to really work with students who, you know, who, who are really engaged in the subject matter. Uh, so, so you've been... You've, uh been to California. I think uh, in class you mentioned you've also taught in Philly. Uh, what drew mm -hmm. you to YCP? So yeah, so when I was, so I taught in Philly, I was teaching at Temple when I was doing my PhD. So, so one of the things you do when you're, when you're working on a graduate degree is oftentimes you're hired by that school to teach um, in their first year writing. So when I was doing my master's degree at San Diego State, I was teaching for, for San Diego State University. And I taught for the high school system out there. When I moved back to Philadelphia, I was teaching for Temple um, in their first year writing. What, what drew me to York was the, the year that I was finishing my degree. And this, again, this is going to sound completely made up. It is not made up. I went to a summer conference uh, in the summer of 2012. And, uh, you know, they have these lunches at these conferences. You go to these panels and you watch people talk. And then you go to these lunches. And you don't know anybody. Uh, and they have these kind of big group tables. So it's kind of like the first day in the cafeteria. You don't know anybody. And you're just trying to sit down and find somebody. and you know, there's this one table all the way in the back. There's this, there's this guy just sitting there all alone, you know, eating his lunch. And I figure, okay, I'll sit next to this guy. And guess who it was, Sarah? Guess who I sat next to, who I'd never met this person before in my entire life? Mike Zerby. It would be Mike Zerby. I, I sat down. I'm, this, that is, this is a true story. I, and we were in, I mean, it was a conference in Louisiana. Um, I sat down next to Mike Zerby. Um, and which is also funny because I had cited him, uh, you know, in my dissertation. So he, so I saw his name, look at your name tags. I saw the name tag. I was like, oh, you're Mike Zerby. I cited you in my dissertation. I love your first book, you know, kind of fanboy uh, kind of stuff with, with, with Dr. Zerby. And we chatted and he was really, really nice. And then when the job came up uh, later that fall, I applied. Uh, it turns out actually one of my mentors at Temple um, also knew, knows, I don't know if you, any of you have met um, Dean Della Carpini, who is, he's the Dean of the, of community engagement at York. So one of my mentors also knew uh, uh, Dean Della Carpini and I applied and they interviewed me and, and here I am. And it was great. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's exactly the kind of institution I was hoping I was going to land. It's, you know, it is a, a teaching focused institution but we have a strong professional writing major, which is, which is really unique. A lot of times at teaching focused for your institutions, 
there isn't usually a, a writing major. So if I were to be hired at another institution that was four years, I'd probably most be mostly be teaching first year writing, which is great, but it's so much it's so much fun to kind of work with majors as well. What is one uh, common misconception you hear about your field or about students in your field that you'd like to, I guess, change people's opinions on? Yeah, I, I would say probably the biggest misconception uh, is that we are all grammar nerds and that we are all constantly paying attention to scanning and then judging everybody around us because they, they mistakenly misused a comma or a semicolon. I, I don't think, even, even Dr. Zerby, who I would probably say is the most grammar nerd out of all of the faculty, he doesn't even judge. So I would say we're not as judgmental um, about you know, minor grammatical missteps, I think, is, as, people, so, as people think. So whenever I you know, introduce myself and people say, oh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a, a writing professor, yada, yada, yada. And they go, oh, I really should watch what I say and I'll have to be really careful about my grammar. And in my head, I'm just thinking like, it's okay, it's, it's all right. Uh, the English language is, is weird and strange and incredibly flexible, so it's fine. How has instruction changed since you started? So since I started at York or in the dinosaur Our, days of 1999, which is- Since you really, first started. Since I first started. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest change obviously has been uh, the introduction of technology into the uh, digital technology specifically into the classroom. I, you know, and so I would really say, you know, the, 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 the kind of most useful change I found is having, you know, the technical term is learning management software. You guys would call it Canvas or you'd call it Moodle. And what that actually does is it allows, and, and I know Sarah's had me in classes and John, you've had me in classes. And I use that stuff a lot. And it's actually really helped manage the course better uh, and make it a kind of more useful course for students. Uh, and so I would say that's kind of the biggest change is, so is basically what they call ed tech in terms of, in terms of, that. in terms of kind of like how I teach, I would say in, in that regard, the basic approach I take has not really changed that much. And by that, I mean, I've always taught very, the way I teach is very student-centered, very kind of project-oriented, right, problem-oriented, and it's not a ton of lecture. So again, you know, Sarah and John, you've had me, I mean, I do maybe my, my a 10-minute spiel, and then it's, right, you know, students are doing stuff in the class. And so I, I like to, as I like to say, I have, I have very doing classes, and I think that's something that I've been, you know, with the technology, I've actually been able to kind of make that happen uh, even more seamlessly over the years. Do you think change to virtual learning or like the high high flex system that we use here? Do you think that that's changed? Is the doing aspect of your classes? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has. I have, you know, I've had to obviously adapt to that, um, and I've made a lot of these projects more digital this year, uh, in the sense of kind of creating digital spaces for the for the students to work within. There are a couple of things, you know. I am very much hoping to get back to a post COVID world when you know, we can all be in a classroom together. I think we're all waiting for that at this point. But I, you know, there are some things that I learned that I adapted for a kind of COVID teaching year that I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to keeping. And so just, just little things like, you know, John, you probably noticed, right, Ed, sending out that weekly, here's what we're doing this week email and, it ha and everything is linked, right? you know, uh, creating modules by the week to kind of help organize people. So, so some of the things that I've learned um, from watching other really great teachers do, I'm going to keep doing that. Um, I, I would say, you know, I, 
I made heavy use of you know Google Drive before the pandemic. Um, I made heavy use of kind of all of those tools. So I'm just going to keep keep doing that post pandemic. Yes, we're all fan of the announcements. Just all right, oh, is that yeah, is it working <laughs> yeah. good? I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad it's yeah. working. Keep that up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was um, I had a we had a really wonderful uh, you know over the summer just to put a plug in for all of your professors um, in the program outside of the program. Like I'm telling you, everybody was just all summer long, you know, taking workshops, you know, attending luncheons, doing trainings. Like everybody I know both in the writing program across campus was, was really working hard to, you know, take their classes and make them work, um, you know, in this kind of high flex environment. And so I had a, we had a really great workshop with some colleagues of ours in, in writing, and they talked about just those kinds of very functional things that you can do that can make this, you know, kind of hybrid, high flex distance learning just easier for students, right? Uh, and yeah, so so that was so I, I took that idea and I ran with it. So yeah, I'm I'm totally keeping that idea. The the best teachers steal good ideas, right? So when you see someone, you just great. I'm going to start doing that thing. So you know we don't we don't invent. We just steal the ideas. Uh, what is one thing you would like a future student to know about York College of Pennsylvania? Well, I think one thing I you know, and again, it's one of the things I love about the college, and it's one thing I'd love a future student to know is that this is a this is a very student-focused college that very much wants to, as soon as possible, get students to kind of engage in, you know, problem-based, project-based kind of learning. Uh, and so, uh, and again, I know that my classes are like that, um, but, you know, there's so many opportunities and it doesn't matter what major you're in to, as you're taking a class, actually, you know, work on solving real-world problems, um, which I think is like a real signature thing of the college. I also think it's a, it's a great college if you are a first gen uh, college student. Um, I think you know I've had a lot of really productive conversations with colleagues. I you know I work closely with academic support services, and you know the college is is really aware of how being first generation college you know college student can can be different, right? Than you know somebody whose you know parents went to college as well. You know there's there's a ton of implicit stuff that you learn about college if you have a close relative who went uh, or a parent who went. Whereas if you're a first-generation college, I remember there were so many things I just didn't know about college, including, I will, I will share this on the podcast. When I was a junior, uh, the English department where I was an undergrad, they came to me and they said, you know, your GPA is, you know, X, Y, Z, it's very high. And, and I said, you know, we want, we want, you should, you know, you should become a member of this National Honor Society. And I didn't know what an honor society was. I didn't know what an honor society was good for. Uh, and plus I was delivering pizza on Friday nights uh, to make money and I didn't have time to go to the ceremony. So I was like, no, I'm good. And that was it. So, but, but it's one of those things that because I just, nobody had ever explained to me like what the function, right, of an honor society is and why maybe you should take off uh, from delivering pizza for a night you know, to be part of the honor society. So that's what I'm saying. So I think it's it's a great school for for students who want to do things, and also again, I think first generation students, you know, who who want to get involved with things, uh, but don't necessarily have that kind of implicit knowledge. All right, we're gonna move away from uh, academics for a little bit. Uh, what's mm -hmm. something that you like to do when you're not working on campus? So one of the things I like to do, actually, it's behind me, is I actually I, I like to play guitar. 
And I just, you know, I like to go for kind of long walks and try to exercise actually, which has been very hard. So guitar playing has been, been I've been doing that more during the pandemic because that's a much more inside uh, kind of thing. Exercising has been a little tougher. So, which is, I'm very much looking forward to, to, to getting back to that post pandemic. I never thought I'd miss the gym. So. I know, I know. We go to, um, yeah, we go to a YMCA and it's really wonderful. And uh, I, yeah, I miss just not being able to go and, and, and doing weights and doing cardio and everything. It was, it was a really nice thing. So hopefully soon, right? Three, three four more months. Uh, what is something your students probably don't know about you? What don't they know about me? So you, you, you know that I like science fiction, right? You, you know that I'm kind of a nerd about that. You, you know that I listen to heavy metal. I think that's right. I think that's, that's kind of no, I don't know. Um, you know, because I have this wonderful accent that I'm from the Philadelphia region. <laughs> so I'm trying to go down the list. I don't know. I think, I think that's maybe the fact that I play guitar. I don't know. Maybe that's like one thing that students didn't, didn't know. I don't know if I talk about that much, but yeah, pretty much just a science fiction kind of pop culture uh, nerd who, who's got really lucky and gets to teach college. <laughs> Uh, what piece of advice would you give uh, to current students who either are in this field or in other fields? I, honestly, I think the biggest piece of advice I could give is bug your professors. And, and really by that, I mean, just, just talk to your professors, right? A ask your professors about opportunities, right? To do internships or, or to kind of be attached to projects. And, and then the other thing is to just start anything that you, that you want to do or have to do. So internships, you know, applying for your first job, uh, I would really say start all of that about three months earlier than you think you should be starting it, which is kind of my biggest piece of advice, right? So start early and bug people, I guess is, is kind of what I would say. Uh, what is a piece of advice, of advice you would give to seniors graduating uh, from your, in your field? So I think the, the biggest piece of advice, uh, and, and so the kind of, and, and this is the same advice I would give during a COVID year or a non-COVID year, is to, is a couple of things. One, I think our graduating seniors, especially in the professional writing, have, should, should really recognize that they, they have actually a very real and concrete skill set that employers actually want, right? Uh, and so actually professional writing majors are, are incredibly marketable right, in terms of going on the on kind of looking for a job. The other thing I would say, though, is that is to be flexible. The, the kinds of skills that, that our majors have developed, the kind of skills and experiences they walk away from the program with, really lend themselves to a variety of different uh, jobs that they could apply for. Uh, and so there's, and there's, isn't often going to be a job called professional writer, right? Uh, and so what you have to kind of do is you have to kind of look at those job ads and kind of and kind of look at the job ads more through kind of a skill set lens, right, rather than a kind of what's the name of the job lens. And so I think, yeah, just kind of flexibility and just kind of trusting that you actually know a lot more than you think you do. And you have a lot of you, you really you have a lot of concrete skills that people really want in, in their new hires. What would you say has been one of the most rewarding experiences you've had at your college? I would, I, it, there's a couple. I would, I would really say um, I've taught senior seminar uh, several times and we've had a couple of students, you know, go to, um, you know, go to conferences to present research papers and research posters. I think that's always been really amazing being able to support students doing that. And I, you know, it's going to sound a little bit schmaltzy and kind of cheesy. I just working in the classroom on a regular basis 
uh, has, has, I've always found to be really rewarding. And I have to, I just really have to say, I think, especially this year, which has been, you know, incredibly challenging, right? I mean, this has been a really tough year for everybody. I, I have to say across all of the classes that I've taught with my, with the majors, you know, major only courses or upper division major courses, FCO, you know, gen ed, you know, first year, second year courses, the students in all of my classes have been absolutely amazing. Uh, and then to, to, so to kind of actually see just all of the students kind of really rising to the occasion, kind of rolling with the punches, you know, showing each other patience, being patient, you know, as we kind of work out glitches has, has really been a, a great experience and it's, and it's really been inspiring. Um, so even though it's been a kind of a not great year because of COVID, kind of just watching everybody really adapt to that and still do incredibly well has been, has been really rewarding and great. I guess just one last question here to wrap up the podcast. Sure. Uh, it's, a fun, it's a fun one. So uh, do you have any book recommendations or favorite authors you'd like to shout out? So book recommendations. So I've got, this is my science fiction bookcase. They can't see it on the podcast behind me. Uh, and so I have been, I, as soon as they come out, I've been reading all of the Expanse novels. Uh, so it's, it's, it's now a sci-fi show, a sci-fi channel show, or now it's on Amazon, excuse me, but it's, it's great. So I would highly recommend the Expanse series. I think it's like up to eight books or something. I've also been reading, and I always mispronounce, actually it's right, right over here. And this is gonna be backwards. Uh, the Strugatsky brothers, uh, and so this is this is backwards to you. The Snail on the Slope. They were uh, Russian science fiction authors, uh, and they wrote uh, a really wonderful novel called Roadside Picnic, which was turned into uh, a really fabulous Russian uh, film called Stalker. So I always recommend those guys as well. But science fiction all the way. All right. Well, we want to thank you for coming and talking to us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is great. It's been a pleasure getting to know you, and uh, hopefully I'll have one of your classes in the next couple semesters. Great. We are joined by Dr. Deborah Voss of the York College uh, English and Humanities Department. Dr. Voss, thanks for coming on and talking to us today. Thanks for inviting me. All right, so our first question today, what specifically is your field of study and what kind of stuff do you teach here at York? Uh, technically, I am a medievalist. That's what my PhD is in. I teach literature and linguistics and first year communication courses, FCO courses. Okay, and uh, what got, what first got you into, interested in, the, in your field of study? When I was very young, I read The Lord of the Rings and that has pretty much shaped the rest of my life. <laughs> so that, that explains all of that. Very interested in language and in history. Um, and that's why my degree is in medieval literature. What would you say got you interested in teaching specifically? My dad was a chemistry teacher, so I always, when I grew, was growing up, I always said I did not want to be a teacher because I saw what he did, uh, but I, when I grad first graduated, I worked for a couple of years in an accounting office, and I hated that. I really, really disliked it, so when I went back to grad school, I got a job as a teaching assistant, and that was a lot of fun, so I kind of worked my way into it backwards. It was never a goal when I was young, though. Uh, what drew you to YC, YCP specifically? I went to a two-year junior college when I first started school as an undergraduate and really found that a valuable experience. I liked the personal connection with the teachers. I liked all of the school activities that I could get involved with. 
And so when I went back to graduate school and I started thinking about teaching as a career, that was the kind of place that I envisioned for myself, you know, somewhere small like that. And so York College was attractive to me because it's a small college. And I also like the fact that it's independent and it's not associated with any you know, particular religion or particular organization of any kind. So that was another big plus. And, and York itself is in a beautiful part of Pennsylvania. This is, you know, this is a really nice place to be. So you mentioned that you worked as a teaching assistant in college. Have you ever taught anywhere uh, before York or is this oh. first like, teaching <laughs> position? Yeah, I taught at North Carolina State University where I got my master's and I taught at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill where I got my PhD. And I taught at the College of West Virginia in Beckley, West Virginia, before I came here to your college. So I had I had a number of years of teaching experience. Yeah, I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> Are there any common misconceptions you hear about your field or about the students in your field? I don't know if I hear misconceptions about the students. I do talk to students sometimes who are concerned that literature, the study of language isn't of any value, you know, how can I make money doing that, which is, of course, ridiculous, because how can you make money without using language? I mean, so that's what I hear. I don't know that I've ever heard anything about students, though. So obviously, this semester with the high flex system is a little different than teaching in the past. Uh, what are some other changes that have been made to instruction since you first started teaching? When I first started teaching, the internet was just coming into being, <laughs> so that just tells you how old I am. So there's been a lot of changes as far as uh, digital technology and um, you know being able to to have virtual classes is just astonishing now. But it's working, so yeah, good. Uh, what, what's one thing you would like uh, future students uh, to know about YCP? I guess I would I would like students to know that the they have the opportunity to get involved on, on a personal level in all kinds of new ways at, at York College. And by that, I mean, they can interact with faculty in ways that they didn't have, you know, when they were in high school. There's also opportunities to get involved with a whole range of student activities and start activities and do new things they haven't done before. I mean, the whole point of going to college is to do something new, right? So um, I think York is really good at providing a foundation for students to do some exploring like that. And, and I would encourage students to take advantage of it. A lot of times students are afraid to do new things. I mean, one of the complaints I get in class is I've never done this before. I never had to do this before. Well, that's kind of the point, you know, why are you here if you want to do the same old thing? And, and because York is small, it, it does provide emotional support and, you know, administrative support and other kinds of support for, for new activities. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I've noticed since I started coming to York is that there's a huge range of activities for people to do. Mm -hmm. And I even started doing some activities that I had never even considered back in high school. So we'll move away from academics for a little bit. Something that you like to do outside of work, like what does a typical weekend look like? <laughs> There's a lot of reading involved. I have I have two dogs, two rescue dogs, and I like to walk. So we, we you know we get outside a good bit. I like to garden. I like to um, cook. That's probably not a surprise to anybody either. Yeah, th those sorts of things. I like to I like to do things. I like to be active. 
different kinds of ways. Um, I'm also a weaver. I've taken up weaving in the last like six years or so. So I'm, I'm enjoying learning about that and getting involved with fiber arts to some extent. So besides cooking and gardening, weaving, is there anything your students probably don't know about you? That's a good question. My students probably don't know that uh, I'm retiring next year. Next spring will be my last full-time year, full-time semester at York College. So I'm, I'm looking at that and kind of looking at how I'm going to move on in the future, sort of activities and things I'll be doing after that. I don't know, that might make some students very happy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, what the thought on that is. <laughs> but I guess that's the thing that immediately jumps into my mind. Uh, so that's two advisors in a row for me that have retired. Uh-oh, uh -oh. you're wearing us out, Ben. <laughs> it's, it's all my fault. I'm sorry. It's all your fault. That's right. <laughs> uh, what's something, like some advice that you would give to current students who might be considering um, switching to literary and textual studies here at York? One of the when I look back over over my career and all the different things I've been able to, able to do, one of the things that I really valued is being able to go in in new directions and kind of shape what I want to do, make choices myself, which isn't always available in other fields. Like if you're going to be a nurse, you know, you don't get to decide where you're going to go. The hospital or the doctor's always pretty much tells you what you're going to do. You don't get to shape where you're going. So I think that's an advantage that students may not be aware of with, with this particular major. It, it opens all sorts of doors for you. Um, you have to put some effort into it beyond that, but, uh, but, but I, do think, I do think that's a definite advantage that some more obvious fields don't offer to students. Um, it's, also, it's also just very rewarding. I mean, being able to read all kinds of different things and talk to all kinds of different people is, is always very enriching. Do you have any advice for seniors graduating in your field? Wow. <laughs> in, previous, in previous years, uh, I would have said to apply all sorts of different places just to try and, and see what kinds of you know, unexpected openings you might find. But things are so difficult right now. I really don't know what I would I mean, I, I would say the same things, but I don't know that it's applicable at all. This COVID is, is really changing our world very quickly. Just keep trying. Don't give up, I guess. What would you say is one of the most rewarding experiences you've had here at York? I, I've worked with so many wonderful students. I really enjoy working with the students, and I enjoy hearing from them after they've, they've graduated. I had a, a years and years ago, when I first started here, this is probably... I don't know, 17 or 18 years ago, maybe I had a student who really wasn't all that great a student. He, he struggled. Um, he struggled a lot sometimes. And he went on to get a job with an, an editor in, in New York City and has become very successful working with this editing company, which was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing to me. I mean, I was thrilled. So, so you know, that, that kind of thing is, is very rewarding that the, the superstars, you know, are going to do well, but the people that, you know, are not, not so obviously standing out can be just wonderful successes. And I'm thrilled that I'm able to help people out a little bit and, and be able to help them shape their lives like that. I guess one last uh, fun question for, uh, for the interview. Do you have any book recommendations besides Lord of the Rings? <laughs> um, I am a huge fan of Ann Bishop. So I'll plug Ann Bishop books right now. She has a series called The Others that is just, just wonderful. Um, I'm, 
I, I tend to enjoy talking animals. So anything that is talking animals, I, I like a great deal. But Anne Bishop is a really good author. So I would, I would encourage anybody to take a look at her. All right. Well, we want to thank you for coming on and talking to us today. I think we learned a lot about um, both the field and you as a professor and a person. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This, this was fun. Thanks, guys. All right, so uh, what, what got you both interested in your majors? So for me, I actually started here at York as an English education major. Um, and then I took one education class and I realized that I wasn't quite sure if teaching was for me. So I went to the, uh, the major and minor fair and I talked to one of the professors there and they kind of told me a little bit about uh, the literary and textual studies department and I started taking a couple classes and then decided to switch my major. John, how about you? What, what got you interested in professional writing? Uh, so I originally went to a different school uh, prior to your college and I was a communication major in uh, there and I didn't really like it. So then I came across York and discovered the professional writing major. Uh, met Travis, who's my advisor, Travis Kurowski. And then from there, just like, oh yeah, this is, this is a lot more, this is a lot better fit for me. I would say I first got interested in professional writing when I first took a class with Kutra Fellow, Dr. Kutra Fellow. I had it as my minor for four years, and then once I figured out I absolutely hated my old major, I switched into this um, because I talked to Dr. Zerby, and um, with his background and my background, both in medicine, we were able to figure out a fast track to get me into still doing something medical related, but more on the writing end instead of. Do you guys think that uh, your majors kind of lived up to what you thought they were going to be? I would say probably not. My expectations originally was like, oh, I'll sit and write a bunch of papers all day long and whatever. But um, through taking some other different classes, um, I was exposed to the podcast, which is, I think, something I would have never uh, dabbled in, if not before my major. Um, but there is still a lot of writing a bunch of papers. I don't know what you guys think, though. No, definitely a lot of writing papers. <laughs> but um, I guess I was also uh, surprised by the rhetoric side of it as well. I didn't realize there was so much, um, I guess you could say, thought into the writing process. If that makes sense. So for me, like I kind of picked a creative writing track. Um, so I guess my major is kind of what I expected. Like there's a lot of writing, although I was actually kind of expecting more like research papers and stuff. But for the most part, it's been smaller assignments um, as opposed to like, you know, what they told us in high school was going to be like nine page, you know, month long research assignments. What are you guys planning to do uh, with your degrees after you graduate? All right, well, for me, I'm, the dream would be to publish a book or a book of poems, but anything really that entails writing about um, political landscapes or science or anything of that nature really would be anything that doesn't involve working in a warehouse. And I would say um, I definitely want to stick with medical writing. Um, a big dream of mine eventually is one day to work for the Department of Health um, in looking at research to help um, local communities be better educated in healthcare matters. 
um, smaller communities throughout Pennsylvania, but in writing research on that, helping to get funding and locations where it needs to be, like grant proposal research and things like that. That's a long-term goal. For now, I just, you know, want to get out and make some money. John, I can definitely relate to wanting to publish a book one day. Um, that's kind of why, like, I've been taking a lot of publishing classes here. Um, what, like, what was the deciding factor or some of the draws for you guys to come to York? I came to York um, straight out of high school as a freshman. Um, I came because they had a lot of different medical science majors here, not just like nursing, but also like allied health majors like respiratory care, radiology, um, like to be an x-ray tech and um, other majors. Um, so that's what drew me and they also had four year degrees. So it wasn't like I had to decide right away which track I wanted to do. But the um, thing that kept me, I guess, that you could say at York was the relationships that I made with professors over the years. Um, if it wouldn't have been for the support of the uh, faculty and staff here, I don't know if I would have been able to continue on and change my major how I did and get the degree that I'm getting now. So uh, the first honest answer for why I chose York was because it was closer to the Millersville. <laughs> it's only 10 minutes away from my house. Um, but then after ha having met the professors, uh, uh, Travis and Dr. Petrofello, uh, I realized that, oh, this, this major is right for me and it's a good place where I can learn to grow and hone my writing, my writing craft. Yeah, for me, I actually wasn't interested in applying to York at first. Um, but my parents wanted me to at least take a tour of the campus because my dad graduated from here back in uh, the 80s. Um, and as soon as I came to campus, I knew it was definitely going to be one of my top three choices. Um, and then just some of the people I met, you know, through Facebook and the Snapchat groups, and some of them I'm still friends with to this day, are some of the main reasons I came here. And the small class sizes, like Sarah said, it makes it easy to form those relationships with your professors. What are your guys' favorite things about college life? I like the freedom that, you know, you don't experience when you're still in high school. But being an upperclassman, like I'm a senior this year, um, being able to live like an apartment style and cooking for myself or just like being able to like, I mean, with COVID it's different, but like being able to like do the activities that I want to do, like if I want to, you know, take a nap in the middle of the day I can take a nap in the middle of the day because no one's telling me I can't do that um I also like I mean like I'm a nerd so I also like reading in the coursework that I'm doing and like writing um research and yeah college life is definitely different during COVID but I do uh, I do like the flexibility of uh scheduling classes and like oh we can take a you can't take a nap in between classes or uh, do anything in between that in those times. Yeah, I'm definitely a participant in the mid-afternoon nap. Uh, do you guys live on campus? Or are you uh, commuters or what's up with that? I live on campus um, because I'm not close enough to commute, but 
I think I'd prefer living on campus than commuting anyways. I commute just because it's uh, cheaper that way. I would like to live on campus because I feel like uh, on-campus life has a lot. If you live on campus, you're more acquainted with on-campus life. It's a lot easier to like make friends, but again, it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, I've been on campus uh, my whole time here because uh, I live, like my home is an hour away. So it doesn't really make sense and I don't think they would let me commute every day. Uh, are you guys involved in any clubs or activities here on campus? Other than the podcast, of course. I am not currently, other than um, the podcast and the York Review also is something I'm involved in. Um, but in the past, I was part of um, Colleges Against Cancer on campus, which runs the annual Relay for Life at York College, a really great organization that helps uh, raise money for a great cause. I'm also part of the uh, Film and Media Society. I'm the uh, treasurer. So it's a, it's a great group where we get to every week talk about movies we've watched and like, and we get to have recommendations for films or even uh, shows on Netflix or uh, TV shows. So it's a great way to um, make friends and bond with people who have the same interests as you. Uh, I was in, or I guess I still am in the uh, mixed martial arts club, which it's a little difficult to uh, do mixed martial arts if you can't be, you know, actually sparring with each other. But uh, we're figuring it out. And then uh, I just started doing intramural air hockey this semester, which I didn't even know was an activity, was an option. Uh, and I learned that I'm not quite as good at air hockey as I thought I was. Uh, what are some things that you guys do in your free time? Other than the previous mentioned nap taking, I like to um, play uh, games on my phone and write things down, um, some poetry, dabble in that a bit, watch uh, Hulu, you know, the usual. Uh, I also enjoy hiking and nap taking, of course. <laughs> That's my unofficial minor. but. Um, and I also enjoy reading uh, Stephen King is probably one of my favorite authors. So I've been going on a binge during the pandemic, just going through all his books. Uh, what are some things that you hear other students saying about your major? And do you think that they're right or are they just, you know, misconceptions? I would think something I've heard is that like, we just uh, like nerd out all the time and like we talk about writing or we write papers all the time which it's not that there's a lot of like theoretical things that I didn't think about going into it. Like John er mentioned earlier, um, rhetoric studies, like the study of persuasion and how to use language effectively. Um, something that I don't think many people in our major, like not in our major would understand. Uh, yeah, I think pretty much what Sarah said, I don't think there's a lot more that I can add to that. Yeah, I agree. There's not really much to add. Although I do like what um, Dr. Kutrafellow said uh, earlier about how, you know, we're not all grammar nerds. Um, you know, if we, we don't just sit there and analyze every sentence people text or say out loud. Although sometimes it's fun to, you know, make fun of your friends for using the wrong there. <laughs> what is one thing that you've learned uh, during your time here at college? I learned that it's okay to not know what you want to do. Like I came undeclared 
declared a major that I ended up hating and now I'm in a major that I absolutely love so I think it's okay not to know and it's okay to change your major no matter how late in the game you are I think one thing I've learned is the importance of asking questions um, knowing uh, what information you need to you need to learn or, or need to uh, prioritize is definitely a skill that will help you out later in life and I think the biggest thing that I've learned so far is that you know if you feel like you're alone and you know you don't have anything figured out you're not alone because no one knows what they want to do with their life at this point um, especially with the pandemic everything is kind of kind of messed up uh, this kind of feeds into the next question what's something that you would tell a high school student who's looking to study professional writing or just looking at york in general i think like we said about the smaller class sizes is definitely something if that's something you'd be interested in as a high school student having one-on-one -on -one relationships with your professor definitely look into york and if you're interested in writing at all or learning more about how to use language effectively and persuasively look into professional writing i think it would be a great field for you or for me uh for high school students when i was in high school i kind of thought writing was kind of just something that only a few people got to do like uh, George R. R. Martin or Stephen King, there only there's only a few lucky people that can make money writing. But then, as I uh, talk with Travis and Dr. Cuchfellow, it's it's a much broader field than that. And there's a lot of ways you can make a career out of a professional writing degree. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for uh, sharing your experiences. I also want to thank our guests, Dr. Cuchfellow and Dr. Voss, for coming on and talking to us as well. We invite you guys to tune in again next week where we will be interviewing students and professors in the biology and chemistry department here at York College of Pennsylvania. So that's something that is pretty foreign to all three of us. Thanks again for tuning in this week and we hope to see you again.